everyone. Buckle up for a new episode of Bumpaholics, the one and only podcast made to teach all stages of the arrival of baby before, during, and after. Whether you're an expecting mother, have questions about fertility, have difficulty with lactation or postpartum, you're sure to learn from our experienced doulas when you listen to Bumpaholics. Today, we're diving into what to expect during a prenatal vis- uh, perinatal visit Sorry, with Madison Hobbs and myself, Brittany Brownell. So join us in the comment section today for this episode of Afternoon Tea, where we talk about all things KCWM. Welcome to another episode of Afternoon Tea. I'm Brittany Brownell, certified birth and bereavement doula, certified birth photographer, education director, and volunteer with KC Women's Ministry, and mother of three, soon to be mother of four. Hey, and I'm Madison Hobbs. I am a certified birth and bereavement doula, a baby wearing peer educator and doula director and volunteer with KC Women's Ministry. Awesome. So we are going to start talking about our perinatal visit. Um, after you have a baby, let's talk about what is a perinatal visit. Madison, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So perinatal is what our birth doulas um, will do after you have the baby. So you have those prenatal visits um, to prepare for labor, and then you have your doula with you during labor and during the delivery, however that looks for your family. And then the perinatal visit, you've, you've gotten to come home from the hospital, or if you delivered at home, um, you know, you're, you're settled and you're getting into a new routine, and your doula is going to come in and check on you and, and make sure that everything is going well and you feel very well supported. Yeah. So we usually do these visits anywhere from two to sometimes even up to four weeks after you have your baby. Um, I have done them virtually, but I prefer to do them in person. Um, you know, they just, you get a better feel, excuse me, for how the, how that birthing person is doing um, and how the family as a whole is doing. Um, yeah. So we like to do them in person if we can. But Sometimes things happen and you have to do them virtually. Yeah. One of the first things that I usually go over is the happiness after birth document that we have. Um, it is pretty similar. Sometimes if I don't happen to have that one on hand, I'll do the, I can't ever remember the name the of it. Edinburgh scale. Yes. The Edinburgh scale, um, which, I mean, they're extremely similar, which is why I tend to do the Edinburgh scale first, because it actually has the, scale, the, the calculations in there. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But, that's something that you are probably pretty used to. You're going to have to fill one out when you go see your <clears throat> OB. You're going to have to fill one out pretty much every time you go see your pediatrician. Um, and then it's just our way of gauging your emotional status and making sure that you aren't showing signs of um, postpartum mood disorders, such as anxiety, depression, or psychosis. Mm-hmm. We want you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. So Yes. We want to make sure that you have um, all of the resources and support that you need. And our doulas are equipped with what those resources look like and and what's appropriate and when, you know, is is a therapist enough? Do we need to um, talk to your OB? Do we need to talk to a psychiatrist? Um, Do you just need a support group? Do you just need someone to sit there and talk to you? do you maybe need a postpartum doula? Do you maybe need a friend to come stay with you? Um, and, you know, support groups. I, I don't remember if I said that or not, but, you know, virtual and in-person 
um, we have connections in our area and your duo will have connections in, in their area on um, ways to get connected to people going through something similar. Oh, these coughs are brutal. Uh, yes, cold, man. And it's not COVID, it's just a common cold. Oh, it's yeah. that lovely drainage happening that's making me cough. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's Fun this song. time of year. I mean, it's 14 degrees outside. Like, what can we do? <laughs> Not much. And nope. being stuck inside the whole time, my immune system starts to deteriorate uh, because I'm an outdoor person. I like to be outside. <laughs> yes. You'll probably notice that in the summer, um, spring, summer, and fall, I actually record most of my videos outside. <laughs> because yeah. um, I, I enjoy the outside. I'm an outside person. Um, so after we go through that Edinburgh scale or the happiness after birth document, I ask about your birth story. I want to hear how it went from your perspective. Yes, I was there, but that was my perspective. You know, my perspective is different from yours. What I think is different from what you think. I want to know what you felt, how you feel about that birth. If you feel like you were in control, if you feel like you were listened to and loved. That's important to me. Um, that tells me, A, you had the birth experience that you were looking for, and B, that I did a good job. <laughs> or yeah. I did a bad job. <laughs> you know, yeah. either way, I want to hear your thoughts on your birth. I want to hear how it went from your point of view. <clears throat> Sometimes I might think things went horrible, and you're like, oh, I had the best birth experience. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad to hear that. And then other times I think it went great. And then the birthing person's like, that was not what I was expecting. That's, um, that was a little, that was worse than I was anticipating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that, in that point, I want to delve deeper into <clears throat> that. I want to talk more about, well, why was that? What was the part that was so hard? What was the part that um, is causing you this anxiety, you know, it's important for us to talk about that and figure out where it's at and then find positives in that birth story. Be careful. Um, find the happy parts because we want those to stick with you. If we don't talk about those happy parts, then the sad parts are going to stick with you. And that's what you're going to hold in for that birth story. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's, there's so much, even you know, even when we have positive experiences, it can be um, a nice closure to really be able to delve deep into um, your birth story, especially with someone who was there. Um, or, you know, sometimes while you're in labor, um, your, your memory can get a little spotty of, I don't remember yeah. what happened when, or you guys were doing something in a corner, what was going on, um, and being able to kind of get some of those holes filled in, some of those questions answered, um, even if it's, you know, it, it was a wonderful experience for you, which is our goal, of course, always. Um, but we don't just go over birth stories um, to try and identify where you struggled or, or where yeah. you felt like it was something bad. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of times I've, I know I've heard from people who had especially who had wonderful birth experiences, they wanna be able to tell anyone and everyone and not everyone likes to hear birth stories. And so sometimes 
you know, you don't get to tell your friends, you don't get to tell your sister because they're like, okay, this is weird. I don't really need to know about, you know, your mucus plug or when your water broke or how you were sitting on a toilet to dilate. Like not everyone is as excited to hear about that as us. Um, I know one of my favorite things about the perinatal is being able to listen to your side of it and go, yeah, I remember that moment. I remember, and, and being able to provide my perspective in a way of you, you know, in that moment, how did you feel? If you felt empowered, like, yes, I felt that too. I could see it in your face that you were rocking this experience. Um, and being able to, to add kind of a positive, um, enhance those positive moments and and be there to support what wasn't so positive. Well, and I've also found just talking about my birth experiences, it helps solidify those experiences in my mind so that I can pull that box out in five years and be like, this is what happened. Um, you know, with my second, I didn't really tell her birth story very often. And now it feels like I don't remember much of it. I remember bits and pieces. So just being able to talk about it and tell your story even if it's just to one person, that's going to help you remember that story for years to come. Um, and it makes it that much more precious and cherished for you, you know, just talking about it to someone, your husband, your boyfriend, your fiance, your girlfriend, your wife, you know, who, your mother, your father, whomever is there with you. Like Madison said, they don't always want to re- rehash what happened. They don't want to hear it again. They were there. They're like, why are you telling me this? I was here. <laughs> um and believe me I have that experience where my family doesn't want to hear about my birth story they don't want to hear about my perspective that's our gift to you this listening this being here and holding space and giving you that opportunity to tell your story that you may not ever have again um and I really hope you do I hope you have as many opportunities as possible to tell your story. But the fact of the matter is sometimes we don't. Um, Sometimes we just don't have that opportunity. So telling it even once helps solidify that in your heart and your mind and helps you hold it precious. So. Absolutely, absolutely. um, Something that we usually go over after we've talked birth story is Do you have questions about what happened during your labor and delivery? Um, Most of my clients don't because not going to toot my horn, but I'm going to toot it. (laughs) Um, Most of them don't have questions because we've prepared so well for the birth. And even, And even during the birth, I'm able to do whatever minimal educating we need to do so that um, um, <clears throat> so they don't usually have questions because I have prepared them so well. Um, we already know what to expect in the labor in, and in the delivery and what options they're going to have and why they were choosing certain options. But there are times that things arise that we weren't really prepared for. Um, or, you know, they're just like, well, why was this doctor pushing this particular thing so hard? And we can talk about that together. Um, Just going over any questions they have. And maybe it's a positive question. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, give me an example. (laughs) Um, A lot of times the questions that I get 
um, are more of, of things they missed because they were busy. Um, yes. When did know, that happen? Right, exactly. Or, you know, like I was so focused on what I was doing. I wasn't really paying attention to what my, my husband was doing or my partner. Were they okay? Like, what did they do? Like, were they involved? <laughs> or did, did, how did they feel? Um, a lot of times I'll get questions of, you went over and talked to the nurse and then things kind of changed. What did you say? Um, or, you know, then the nurse went and did this, what, what happened then? And, um, or, you know, I heard laughter while I was in the bathroom and I just couldn't ask. And, you know, we get to repeat that joke that we told or, or whatever it is. Um, just that's usually the kind of questions that I get personally is what did I miss? Same. My, I'm usually right there in the moment with my clients. Um, so we're in it together. There are times when, yes, I'll sit and, and have a little discussion with the nurse. And sometimes my clients will be like, I noticed you were talking to her. What were you saying? What, what was going on? Um, usually we get, I get those questions in the moment <laughs> um, and not after the fact. But, you know, and that at that point, you know, once the nurse leaves, I'll tell them what's going on. But um, sometimes they're not you know, we don't get those questions in the moment and we need to make sure that those questions are still answered for you. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll get questions about, um, what was real versus perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a lot of times I'll get asked, okay, those contractions felt like they were right on top of each other. Were they actually right on top? Like, were they coming back to back? And I can, you know, look back and say, yeah, they were about 30 seconds apart at that point because it was only about an hour before you delivered. So yeah, absolutely. That is what happened. Um, <clears throat> because, uh, you know, your experiences can sometimes morph reality into what your perspective is. And so yeah. you can feel like I never got a, a, even a little bit of a break. They were back to back to back, which is, is true from your perspective. Um, and sometimes it's nice to know, yeah, they were only 30 seconds apart or they were about five minutes apart. Yeah. Um, and it, and it helps yeah. to not necessarily be like, oh, so I was wrong. It's just, oh, wow. They were so intense that I felt them back to back to back, like it didn't get a break, even though they were five minutes apart. Look how strong I am that I got yeah. through those. Um, so those are some other kinds of questions I get too, is what's perspective versus reality? Yes, absolutely. I've, I've definitely had that. Um, some of the questions I've had before, depending on what medications you have, um, you know, I've had a question of what was the timeline? I, I'm remembering it as this happened and then this happened and then this happened, but I know it's not, it didn't happen that way because that's way out of order. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're right. It didn't happen that way. It went this, this, and then this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so sometimes that timeline perspective is really crucial just to piece it together and, yeah. and put that together. Yeah. But, or, you know, if you have an epidural or some kind of medication where you get to sleep, um, I'll get asked a lot, how long did I sleep? Because it felt like I was asleep for 20 minutes, but then I woke up and it was four hours later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or vice versa. You know, I felt like I slept for four hours and I woke up and it was 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so how long did I sleep? <laughs> or the nurse just left. Why is she back? <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh. Well, it has been an hour. <laughs> it's been an hour. Yeah. And your nurse comes back every hour to check in on you or every two hours or, 
gosh, it's been so long. Where is my nurse? Oh, honey, she just left like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need her? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we, we get those a lot. <clears throat> the next thing I like to talk about is, is feeding. So whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, how's it going? If you're breastfeeding, what's that latch feel like? Do you feel like baby is pinching? Do you feel like something's hurting? Are you chapped or bleeding? If so, let's take a look at it. Are you comfortable with me looking and seeing you put your baby to breast? How's the bottle going? Are you washing the bottles okay? Do you know how to wash the bottles? Um, those kinds of things. Is baby getting gassy? Do we need to try some case feeding? Have you talked about case feeding with your doctor? Um, you know, are you having plenty of wet and dirty diapers to change? Because <laughs> yeah. that's a big indicator on feeding of, is it going well? Is baby getting enough food? How do you feel about this? Do you feel like baby's doing well? Do you feel like you're getting baby enough food? Um, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> being equipped with resources if things aren't going well. Yes. Um, you know, is this, especially with breastfeeding, is this something that um, I am trained and equipped to help or do we need to refer to a lactation consultant? And if we need to refer to lactation, I've got a list of lactation consultants I can give to you. Um, is this, you know, something that is physical or emotional, you know, is, is feeding difficult because baby's not getting a good latch or is feeding difficult because I'm tired? Um, things, just all those different variations. Is it um, difficult because of the position? Is it difficult maybe because baby has an undiagnosed tongue or lip tie <clears throat> that we need to go get checked out. Yep. So having those resources for if things aren't going well. Um, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I know for me, breastfeeding was a big point of contention and um, it, it caused a lot of trouble with my first. I feel like everyone I've supported who's had multiple children Breastfeeding usually goes pretty well, um, just from that first experience. Now, even if you've had if you've had multiple children and this is the first time you're breastfeeding, then just like if you're doing a VBAC and it's your first time having a vaginal birth, mm -hmm. then it's going to be just the same as the first time having a vaginal birth, the first time breastfeeding. <laughs> you know, you're going to go through that same experience as a first time parent. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. You know, even if this is your second or third baby, but you didn't breastfeed your first two. Breastfeeding can have some challenges and that's okay. It's okay to have challenges. It's okay Absolutely. to need some help. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. Yeah. So how's sleeping going? You guys sleeping okay? How's, how's baby sleeping? If baby's sleeping more than four hours at night, Mm, you should probably talk to your pediatrician. Yes. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> yes. Babies usually sleep between two and three hours at a time if they're sleeping more than that, um, primarily because they eat so often around the clock. Um, you know, and it kind of goes right alongside with, with uh, feeding. If we're not, if we're getting those really long stretches at night, I'm sure that it, it is so nice to have babies sleeping for four to six hours, um, but are they still getting enough to eat? Yeah. Um, what's causing baby to sleep that long? Um, why aren't they waking to eat or waking to get changed? Um, 
And if baby's only sleeping 30 minutes at a time, what? That's, That's exhausting. Long. What can yeah. we do to help baby sleep a little bit longer? Because they do need between 18 and, or 16 to 18 hours of sleep um, every day. That's a, that's a long time. They're only awake for about five to six hours a day. Um, so if they're not sleeping, what could be, what could be going on? How can we help that? How can we get you and baby back to sleep? How can your partner help and support you? Um, what are ways that we can have partner take over a feeding? Now, if you're breastfeeding, unfortunately, there's not that much your partner's going to be able to do. <laughs> you can always have a bottle prepared, but if you're a breastfeeding mother or parent, you should pump if you're not having baby at breast. So you're still needing to get up at that point. Personally, it was easier for me to just go ahead and breastfeed and be like, all right, let dad sleep and he can give me a nap later. Mm -hmm. But that's something else we'll talk about. You know, what challenges are you having, especially related to sleeping in this particular conversation? And what ways can we help you troubleshoot those challenges? Can we give you recommendations? You can follow them or not, it's your choice, but at least we're able to give you some information so you can make that decision. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you can do if no one's talked to you about it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, hormones are high. You're on lack of sleep. You just had a baby. <laughs> I mean, your brain power is low. So something that is obvious to us is most definitely not obvious to you. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are like, well, why didn't I think of that? Well, honey, you've got a lot of hormones going through you and you're not sleeping very well. And you know, it's okay. <laughs> it happens. I mean, you have just gone through this major transition, both physically and emotionally. And it's, it's okay to not yes. have the same physical and cognitive function that you had just a few weeks before it happens. That's what we're right. here for. It does. That's why we do these perinatal visits. Um, so another question we ask, how are you coping with a new baby, especially if it's your first baby or your second baby or your third baby? How are you coping with adding a new family member to this incredible family that you have? Because um, it's different. I found sometimes, added, you know, when I added the third, it wasn't that big of a deal. But when I added the second, it was a big transition. <laughs> I mean, that was hard. <laughs> yes, yes. I've heard, you know, it's the jump from zero to one is big. The jump from one to two is big. Um, and then I've heard the jump from three to four. There's something about that third baby that you're just kind of like, I got this, but even if not, it's okay. It's a, it's a big transition. Um, and also the ages of your older children have, have an effect on that. You know, if you're bringing a new baby into the world, when you have a one-year-old, it's a lot different than if you have a four or five-year-old. Um, most definitely very different. Yeah. yeah. Very. Um, cause you know, a one-year-old is going to need a lot more from you than a three, four, five-year-old will need a two-year-old. They're still a toddler. They don't need as much as a one-year-old, but they still are at that point of this is my mom. What's going on here? Where's my attention? Um, so it's, it's a hard transition for them. Yeah. And it's, it makes it hard for you. And it's not that it, that's bad. No, it's, just, of course not. it's a transition and it takes time for everyone to get used to this new addition to the family. And before yeah. long, 
sometimes just within a couple of days, sometimes it takes a few months, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, you know, but before long, everyone becomes accepting of this new family member and they love each other so much. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, so that leads us into how's dad coping with baby? How are those older siblings coping with baby? How's, how's baby coping? You know, are they, how about the dogs, the cats, the other animals that you, you're caring for that are in your home? Um, you know, you have this whole new life that you've brought home and that everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything's turned upside down and sideways and zigzagged now. <laughs> what is happening? So let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about how everyone's doing. Is everyone coping okay? Is, is everyone accepting or are we having some resistance? Is your two-year-old, were they potty trained? Are they still doing well with that? Or did they regress a little bit? How about your three-year-old sleeping? Are they sleeping through the night still? Or are they waking up and peeing the bed? Because they have this huge monumental change in their life that now you are not only coping with a new baby, but you're trying to cope with these changes that your older children are having to deal with. Um, and they don't understand it any more than you do. Like, why are we regressing? Right. You know, it's any kind of change in routine that can make a child regress. Yeah. And any child at any age um, can have those regressions. Yes. Um, you know, I've known, I've heard children who are seven, eight, nine, um, and they're, they discover that they're having difficulty in school when a new baby comes. Their routine is thrown off. Maybe baby's waking them up at night. Um, they're not getting as much help in the evenings with, with homework and that bedtime transition and, yes. and all of that, because, you know, there's a new baby to also be taken care of. Um, <clears throat> especially if, if this is an older child who was an only child and now they're bringing in a baby. And, um, so every family, every dynamic, um, certainly not everyone is going to have any kind of regression or negative emotions. Um, it really just depends on the family, the child, the age, and all of that. Um, but even when an older child is is having a, a wonderful transition themselves, it can still be um, something to cope with. Am I spending enough time with my older child because I'm taking care of the baby? Um, you know, am I feeling guilt about that? And um, are they actually experiencing that? Or is that something that, is that the story that I'm telling myself that, that I'm not spending enough time with them, whereas they don't actually see that they're, they're happy and, and healthy with what's going on. Um, yeah. So and that's something that those questions are something that are going to come up almost daily, no matter the age of the baby. Um, I still struggle with that even today as I went through the journaling, journaling class that I just recorded for the ministry that will be coming up on our new Demi course before too long. Um, you know, I, that was um, one of the things that in the exercise that we were doing of writing down things that we were grateful for, that was one of the things that stood out to me of, am I spending enough time with my kids? My kids that's something I'm grateful for. My kids love and adore me, even if I feel I haven't spent enough time with them. Um, so it's something that's going to stick with you 
as you continue to grow with your family and as your family grows, finding that balance. Um, and if we can help you find some semblance of balance in these early stages, it's easier to balance as we get older. Um, you know, just those talks, those lovely discussions. <laughs> Sometimes if we have time and parents ask, I'll even go over, I'll go over baby wearing, I'll go over belly binding, I'll go over baby led weaning even. Um, and some of the things to expect in the next year with your baby. We don't always have time for that. These are only hour long meetings, <laughs> hour long appointments. But sometimes if we have time, because some of the other discussions were short, mm -hmm. um, I'll go over that kind of stuff. And last but not least, how are you eating? Are you getting enough food? Are you getting enough snacks? Absolutely. Especially if you're breastfeeding. Yes. You need extra calories if you're breastfeeding. Um, and we want to make sure that those calories are nutritious as well. And they're mm -hmm. not just empty calories. Breastfeeding burns three to 500 calories a day. And that is what you need to replace. That is partly why we tend to lose weight quicker when we're breastfeeding than when we are bottle feeding. Um, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean overdo it. If you're hungry, you need to eat. Absolutely. Your body cannot create milk without calories, without the building blocks to create milk to feed your child. Um, you know, are you showing a low milk supply? Well, let's talk about that. Um, I've got some things that we can talk about and we will definitely recommend a lactation consultant for you to talk to as well at that point. <clears throat> but these are some things you can try in the meantime until you have that appointment with your lactation consultant. This does not replace your lactation consultant. Right. <laughs> you need to talk to one. Um, but eating habits can make a big effect on that. Eating and drinking, having plenty of water. Um, it is recommended to have at least 96 ounces of water a day now. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. And they just increased it too. So yes. they just increased it from eight cups to 12 cups. That mm -hmm. is three of my 32 ounce cups. Three yeah. of these. It's yeah. huge. <laughs> it's a lot. Two. <laughs> <clears throat> so if you're not drinking that, you could be producing lower milk supply because you don't have enough of those building blocks. For a breastfeeding and pregnant mother, it's actually recommended almost four of these. <sighs> and that's a struggle. A lot. <laughs> that's a struggle. Yes. It's, I'm it's barely only making three. Um, <clears throat> which is why you're constantly seeing me drinking because I'm like, I got to drink this down. <laughs> and then I'm always on the toilet. Right. That's what I'm just thinking. I'm like, I'm going to be in the bathroom all the time, man. <laughs> yeah. It's constant. I'm always on the toilet because I'm constantly drinking. I have a cup in my hand all day long. <laughs> uh, so after these talks, you know, we, we pretty much close it up. We, um, you know, I make sure, you know, I'm available for you if you have questions, if you need some recommendations or anything. Um, I don't always check back in. Sometimes I do if I notice that we're a little, uh, we have some, some things happening that I need to check in on. But for the most part, um, I'm not a postpartum doula, so I don't check in regularly <laughs> after you have your baby. I'm a birth doula. Um, but I do wanna make sure you're doing well and that you feel successful in your parenting journey.
And even as a postpartum doula, um, when I'm operating only as a birth doula, I'm very similar that um, I'll check in if I think that there was something we talked about that warrants another check. Um, but after that visit, if you need me, I'm absolutely still there. Um, you're always welcome to add on postpartum hours. Um, but beyond what we talk about at the perinatal, my job as a birth doula is done. That's right. So at this point, we part ways. Um, we make sure you still have our contact information and we say goodbye. We say goodbye. Yeah, we say goodbye. It's kind of bittersweet. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and every doula is different, but if you made a really strong connection with your doula, definitely ask to be friends. Um, there's yeah. no, there's no like professional boundary that you're going to cross. I am friends with so many of my former clients on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, phone. I have clients who text me on their baby's, you know, milestones and they're like, hey, crawling now, or I they just it. Here. I just, one of my first clients, babies just turned two uh -huh. um, this month. And I'm like, how, how are they so big now? Um, but if you, if you made that really good connection, don't be afraid to be like, Hey, can I add you on Facebook? You know, can we, can we text? Like even just not about this stuff. Um, I go on friend dates with some of my former postpartum clients because we connect so much mm -hmm. um, during those visits. So just because we're, we're done and we have to say goodbye doesn't mean it has to be goodbye forever. If you want to stay in contact, please let us know. Let your doula know. I'm sure that she would love that. Um, I oh, haven't yeah. met a single doula who's not friends with former clients. Um, so, yeah, just want to throw that out there that if you want to stay in contact, do it. She'll love it. She will. She will. I know I love it. Um, I have several clients that we make really good connections. and you know, stay in touch as you have another baby, as you get pregnant again, she would be thrilled to support you again through that journey. Um, you know, we, we love supporting our clients and we love hearing your stories. That's why we do this, especially those of us who volunteer with the ministry. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. I, you know? I have never met a group with bigger hearts. That's for sure. Yeah. So with that being said, um, we will end this video and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Bumpaholics and you can find more information about the ministry at kcwomensministry.org. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Bumpaholics. Um, this is an afternoon tea video and we're available on YouTube. Of course, this is probably where you found us, but we also have recordings up on various podcast websites and through Patreon. Um, make sure you like, this video and then subscribe to our page so you can get updates and not miss any of those future episodes. We do post a new episode of Bumpaholics every week. We also have an episode of the trimester journey posting every week, um, which is basically a week by week, um, what to expect during pregnancy. And you get to go through my pregnancy with me. So um, I talk about the things that go on each week regarding my pregnancy. Granted, there's not that much. <laughs> But um, I do talk about what to expect each week and um, what you can feel each week and things that you should be thinking about as you lead up to your delivery, to um, your birth, birth of your baby. So we love having you here. And for now, we'll say goodbye, but we will see you again soon.